Here at Kerygma Ventures, our love for the Bible doesn't stop us from having questions about it. Quite the opposite. Our love for the Bible makes us more curious about it. Do you sometimes wonder how the message of the New Testament gives meaning to the Old Testament? Are you fascinated by how Scripture applies to your life? If you do, head over to studythebibleguide.com to get some answers. Listen, we've got a simple guide to give you. It's free, and it's packed with practical tools to help you study the Bible. That website, again, is studythebibleguide.com. And thanks for listening to this Kerygma Ventures podcast. God bless. Welcome back to the Kerygma Ventures podcast. This week, we head back to the ranch for Dudley Hall and Sam Downs' conversation about how difficult it is for some Christians to grow and flourish when they're dealing with addiction problems. When we're trapped in a seemingly hopeless situation, how can we find hope? Dudley and Sam also explore how salvation isn't just an individual thing between you and Jesus. In fact, when we're saved, we're born into a new family where we become vitally connected with other people. Join us in the conversation. That there encompasses what I was trying to say about the churches is like, God might not, God's objective might not be to make me a better person, but it feels like many churches' objective is that I would be a better moral person. Yeah. And so that's, that accentuates or maybe inflames the, um, unsettledness one might feel with going into their church and saying, I got a real problem here and I'm, I'm hurting really deeply. Well, you're probably going to be met with one of two things. You're going to be met with, you're unsafe, let's get you over here. Or a combination of, well, you just need to do these things and, and become a better person. That's the messaging anyway. And once you do, you won't be addicted to that thing anymore. Well, if I'm already addicted and I'm already desperate and I'm already in a dire way, it's suffocating and it is entrapment to me to get to be presented with more stuff that I got to do. Because yeah. that person that's addicted already is wildly aware of all that they need to do and probably all that they ain't getting done that's maybe driving the addictive behavior in the first place. I mean, I, don't, I can't speak for everybody, but... Um, you know, you've told me this before and it, it has become sweeter and sweeter to me, man, the older I get. Like weary souls and desperate people don't need more good advice. They just need good news. Yeah. So role play here. I'm addicted. I've just come into your office. I've told you, hey, man, I'm addicted to this, this and this. These are all the problems in my life. Show, show the viewers, <laughs> show the viewers, how do you do that? Let's say my, I have a friend, maybe Ben or Sean or something comes in, they go to lunch and they say, hey, Sam, I'm dealing with all this stuff and I'm, and I'm, I'm crushing this much alcohol or I'm doing this much, you know, I'm taking this much codeine every night to numb the pain. What do I tell that friend? What do I do in that moment? First thing I tell them is, God's not mad with you. He knew about this all, all along. And he has anticipated this problem. And he's paid a high price to solve it. And if you will get in harness with him, you'll find a solution. So 
I would I would try to build hope, whatever, whatever I could to do to build hope. It's like, this is not a hopeless situation. Mm-hmm. You are a great candidate for a trophy of grace, and that's what God is trying to make all of us. He's not trying to make us mo- models for morality. Mm-hmm. He's trying to make us trophies of grace. So that when people look at us, they go, wow, I'd like to know the God that did that to him. Yeah. So I want to build hope in you that you're not hopeless mm-hmm. and that God has anticipated this and that he has a not just a general solution, but a specific solution. Mm-hmm. He knows that longing in your heart, your particular heart, that's causing you to, to go here. Mm-hmm. He knows that. He feels that. And he's willing to be with you in that. And if you're willing to be a partner with him and walk with him in it, <clears throat> there is a solution. I would also say God's solution is always a community of faith. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the lies that we have bought in Western civilization is that salvation is an individual thing. It's you and Jesus. You, you've got to be just with him, whatever. But when we're saved and we're born again, we're born into a new family, into a new nation, to a new race. And, and you, don't, you don't live alone. Mm-hmm. You, you are vitally connected with other people. Yeah. And so I would say, what is your relationship with a community of faith? Do, do you have a group of people? And then we would probably get to this conversation. It's like, yeah, but... They expect me to be better. and yeah. they're, they're, Or I've they're, been burned before. I've been burned. They're judging me and I can't live up to it and whatever's like. And so I would want to stop you right there and say, uh, I wonder if they really feel that way or if you feel that way and you're projecting that on them. Mm, that's good. Because <clears throat> the crowd, the noise that affects us most doesn't come from the outside. It comes from the inside. Yeah. It's that condemnation. You're expecting them to judge you. You judge yourself and you're going, I'm, I am not living up to. Mm-hmm. And so you think, they think that too. Yeah. And they're looking at me going, you're not a very good person. So, so I'm not going to venture that because if, if they say that, I, I can't handle it. So you judge them. Yeah. And, and you prevent them from being... so. Yeah, it takes some guts to to walk into a group and go, I'm not okay. And you'd be amazed that there's some real Christians out there who would go, okay. Yeah. You're okay with me? Come here. Yeah, that's good. Sounds too good to be true. I hope you're right (laughs) about all that. What can people do practically to foster that um, that environment in their in their own community of faith. Like um, I talk to pastors about this sometimes. Some of my buddies who are pastors, because I know they long for their churches to be safe places. Um, you know, I know you and I have talked about Tolian a number of times, but um, I know that's something he and his wife Stacy long to cultivate in their in their church. Is that this is a safe place? I know many other pastors that feel the same way. What is that? What does that look like? You know, so you're speaking to a layperson who wants to cultivate 
their own faith community, their church being a safe place and not this walled out, you know, morality palace. Yeah. Uh, how do you cultivate that? Well, by being honest yourself, I, I don't know a shortcut, you know, okay. as, you know. Take some risk. You do get to take some risk. First of all, you listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm increasingly, as I get older, I'm increasingly appreciating that verse that said, be quick to hear, mm-hmm. slow to speak. Mm-hmm. I think most of my life I've been quick to speak and slow to hear. But to, to, to listen because everybody wants to tell you their story. Yeah, they really do. Yeah, they do. And they want to tell you about their kids and their grandkids. <laughs> True. But everybody's hurting somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not a bad thing. Mm-mm. Because if you're hurting, that means God is, he's getting you ready for mercy. Yeah. And so everybody's hurting. So just know that going in, everybody's hurting. Mm-hmm. So if I can position myself so that I can listen enough so that when they start telling me their story, I don't slough it off or I don't judge it, of course. Mm-hmm. But I go, oh, okay. And then, and then I can, <clears throat> and once I hear their story, I can be vulnerable and tell some of my story. Yeah. And uh, that, that causes the connection to start. And I, I, I don't know, that's the only way I know you do it, Sam. I know you can't make a program for it. I mean, I can say, I know Tully has done some of this, and it, it works if you got if you already have enough relationship. We say, okay, men, y'all come on over to the house th- Thursday night, and you know we're gonna sit around, we're gonna talk, and it's gonna be. We ain't gonna say if you're here, you can't say anything that's ever happened. It's safe here. Yeah, you can tell anything. Uh, sometimes you can do that, but usually you have to have to have developed some. Mm-hmm trust before you can do that. Yeah, it takes time. Yeah. Uh, mm. we, 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 we tend to just want a solution to the problem. Mm-hmm. And the solution to the problem from God's perspective is always an encounter with Him. We want a solution to the problem without an encounter with Him. Yeah. What are, what's like a descriptor of an encounter with God. How do you know you've had that? Uh, well, uh, you know, you could give some markers. Like when you've encountered God, you you and you know, Paul always started his 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 letters off with grace and peace be unto you. When you've encountered God, you will you are aware of grace and peace. So it's like there's some sense of rest that's happened. There's some sense of somebody's taken my case. Mm-hmm. Somebody's listening to me. Yeah. They care about me more than I care about myself. Yeah. When you're aware of that, you've encountered God. Okay. That's good. Thank you so much for listening to the Kerygma Ventures podcast. We'd love for you to join us next week as we continue to bring you conversations and messages that challenge you to live a life of grace and freedom, developing a thriving relationship with Jesus. If you enjoyed today's episode, would you share it with someone in your life who you know would be encouraged to hear it? Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.